Welcome to the official Cell Talks podcast brought to you by the Conference on English Leadership, or CEL. CEL is a collaborative, dynamic, discussion-based forum for literacy leaders organized under the National Council of Teachers of English, also known as NCTE. Every year and in every episode, we honor conversations around text, speakers, and big ideas. We believe it's essential for leaders to maintain and move conversations. Welcome to the conversation. Thank you for subscribing and sharing our Cell Talks podcast. I am Josh Flores, your host for season one. Each episode was recorded live at the 2018 Cell Annual Conference in Houston, Texas, and features speakers, keynotes, and members of CEL, the Conference on English Leadership. We hope our conversations ignite and support conversations with your colleagues at your schools or wherever you may be listening to this. It's a great PLC tool if you want to introduce something different to your PLCs. I think it's a great support tool for that to start conversations that maybe you are already having or want to have. And uh, we hope that you find all sorts of unique ways to use these podcast episodes. It's chock full of information. I had a lot of fun uh, just talking shop about our profession with professionals this year. And I look forward to continuing this podcast series. Speaking of sharing and continuing conversations, if you would like to know more about CEL, you can find us on the Twitter at at NCTE underscore CEL. Or you can search for the hashtag CellChat, C-E-L-C-H-A-T, and you'll find our members using that hashtag and sharing and having conversations. You can also visit NCTE.org, the NCTE main page, and find us under the Groups tab. Here is where you can get all the information and get prepared for our 2019 Fall Conference. It's happening in November 24th through the 26th in Baltimore, Maryland. And get this, our theme this year, creating opportunity, leadership to ignite movements and momentum. I'm excited. So, hope you enjoy that. And I hope you enjoyed this inaugural podcast episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and share with a teacher friend that you love. And give us some feedback. Keep the conversation going with us, too. Engage with us on the Twitter. So, thanks again, and enjoy this episode of Cell Talks. I, uh, I really enjoyed your Ignite session. Oh, thank you, thank you. I hopefully, hopefully you're getting lots of praise for that anyways. People liked it. I'm glad. You know, that was it was controversial a little bit, and then it was very political, very heavy. But I'm sorry, but we need to talk about that, especially at a conference with leaders, education leaders. Like, that is something that we can't be scared of talking about. Like, that's a conversation I want to have, and I also don't want to talk about it, but I know it needs to be said. Right. Like some of the things you said, like, uh, shook me a little bit. Well, I agree. So, you know, that is the that is the point of what we do. Yeah. And when you look at the state of our nation, you're really looking at the fact that so much of that is the result of educators shying away from really addressing some really hard topics. Oh, And oh, I think man. that many yes. people, you know, when you look at what we do with the four C's and 21st century learning and teaching us 21st century skills, because that really was the underpinning of the 
Ignite Talk is that we're talking about really having kids learn how to communicate and to learn how to communicate for themselves, learn mm-hmm. how to advocate for themselves. But when you look at how people voted in the 2016 election, election and even how people have voted in recent uh, mid-year elections, so many people voted against their own self-interest, and so many people have become so brainwashed by media as to what mm-hmm. is the right thing to do that it kind of goes back to why we didn't teach, why did we not teach kids early to really think through critically, really learn how to fa- filter out false information, really learn how to question what's put in front of them, and why did we just simply teach people to go along politely to be for the sake of being polite, for the sake of not causing a stir? And I think mm-hmm. that's a big part of why we are where we are. And I think if we're going to do anything different or see any differences in our society, we have to teach kids those skills and teach them how mm-hmm. to collaborate, how to work with someone, no matter who that person may be, where they come from, and to really respect their differences, honor those differences, and then let those differences change you and inform you while not changing you and informing you if it's not in alignment with your best interest. Okay, that's a good point, but time out real quick because I'm already writing notes. (laughs) I I already had notes I wanted to talk to you about, but could you just introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank (laughs) you. I'm Zachary Kirk, Uh and I am the Director of Curriculum Instruction uh, for the Atlanta Public School System. Atlanta. Yes, Atlanta. Okay. Director... Of curriculum, so I used to. So, I taught high school English for uh-huh. nine years. I then served uh, as an instructional coach at uh, one of our state's uh, lowest performing schools. Uh-huh. So I went from a um, suburban high school that had very high achievement, very high performance, to a high school that had the lowest in the state. Okay. Got some growth there as an instructional coach and then became what's called a professional learning specialist. Yeah. Where I trained and mentored coaches in a specific region or zone of that district. I then became a K-12 literacy coordinator um, for a suburban district and came back to Atlanta public schools as their secondary literacy coordinator. And now I oversee the entire curriculum instruction department for that district as their director. Fantastic. All grade levels. All grade levels, all content areas, as well as the, our extended core content areas as well. That's that sounds incredible. That must be a lot of fun. Uh, it is a lot of fun, and it's an incredible amount of work. But it's good yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a it's uh-huh. you know, it's important. It is. And one thing that I can say is I kind of talk about that trajectory. And for all the educators listening, many people want to uh, kind of you know climb the ladder. Yeah. But I think the key is that every job you take that's a promotion is double the work of the job before. So if you're a good instructional coach, you're doing double the work of a teacher. And if you're a good specialist, you're doing double the work of a coach and if you're a good coordinator you're doing double the work of a specialist so therefore in theory you're doing four Mm -hmm. times the work of a teacher so it should never be less work and you should never ascribe to get out of a classroom because you want less work it's because you're ready to take on more responsibility Mm -hmm. and be of greater service that is the heartbeat of it all is that the more people that you work with that's more people as a leader that you have to serve and put their interests continuously before your own yeah I think that's exactly where I was thinking uh, you have to be a greater service I love the way you put that because I think when you're in these administrative positions you're still there to support the teacher and get them to be the best instructional facilitator they can be. I always say the hardest job in education is the job of a principal because they have Uh so many divergent concerns and issues to deal with, but the most important job in education is that of the teacher. And if you're not finding a way to empower your teachers and let them be their very best selves in that classroom, then you're not Mm -hmm. doing your job as an administrator. So what are the three things you do to 
help teachers. Is that you empower them continuously in Uh that, in the same way that you encourage kids to constantly have differentiated supports or differentiated paths to getting where they that you want them to be. You do the exact same thing for teachers. Is you ensure that their unique individual selves are able to prosper and shine in that classroom. Okay. That there is no one size fits all, right? So I have a pretty big personality. It's always been my number one passion to not try to duplicate me. Like, that's not something that I would ever want to do. But it's to take you for who you are and let you be the best that you can be, help you determine that, help you find your strengths, help you grow those strengths so you can be better and better. You don't have to be dynamic to be this amazing teacher. You can be uh, extremely quiet. You can be extremely uh, shy. You can be extremely who you are and still be the most effective teacher in in the classroom because everything that you are has let you become the teacher that you are. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have be, you wouldn't have made it to this place in life if you didn't use and have those strengths that make you awesome. So that's number one is let you be who you authentically are and encourage that by empowering that and those choices. Well I think it's sad that I think that, that that's a very unique perspective for someone that's in your position to have because I feel like the higher some administrators go, we tend to want everything to be standardized look the same so it's easier to manage for them at that level oh well they they don't have the servant's lens right like that you're right i I have encountered that and i try it's a quick thing to fix though Uh right when i meet other leaders who have that mentality it's really easy to fix you just simply explain it's not about you it's about kids and if kids are going to be successful and and learn and grow and be Mm -hmm. their best then we have to help teachers become and grow and be their best so you have to take yourself out of the equation it can't be about what's easiest for you to manage or what's easiest for you to um, in terms of doing your job going to make your job easy. It's about what's going to make that job easier for that teacher because the easier you make it for a good teacher, the more they're going to do anyway. Teachers never stop working. They never seek to stop working. They simply want the barriers removed that hold them back from being their best. That's a great perspective. Um, Going back to that, uh, I want to talk more about the social media use. Yeah, yeah. Like, first, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, It's at Zachary K, and it's spelled, like, phonetically, uh, it's Z-A-C-K-O-R-Y-K, at Zachary K. And my Instagram, which is probably a little bit more interesting than my Twitter, is... Oh, really? Okay. uh, It's a little bit, yes, Dr. Kirk, K-I-R-K, English, like, as in, of course, our profession, English. What do you usually, or what's your main use for those? So on Twitter, it's all about education, and I'm constantly tweeting out educational stuff, links, resources for teachers, uh-huh. uh, tweeting out the work of my team and what they're doing in schools to move people forward. You know, many times people see the central office as a big, bad central office. So mm-hmm. being that I'm a curriculum director, it was my absolute hope to really show anyone out there who's looking that people in curriculum work really hard, too, and that their job is... In, again, meant to be four times as much work as the, the people that they serve if they're going to be effective. So I constantly try to highlight that. So that's a lot of what you see on my Twitter. On my Instagram, it's a little bit more personal, so you don't see as much educational stuff. You kind of get a glimpse into like my personal life. But you're not afraid involves. to be transparent, so they no. see that you're human. Yeah, which yeah you is, need to see that. Right? I think a good leadership quality too. Yeah, I, I did a. Um, the most recent thing on there is I've been on a weight loss journey since January of 2017. Okay. And so I've chronicled that whole journey with, uh, I'm a Weight Watcher, I'm an active Weight Watcher, I'm a proud man on Weight mm-hmm. Watchers, and I've lost 60 pounds. So you see a lot oh my of God. the wow. 
Okay. Not so much the food, right? Because I don't think people care about what I'm eating. Uh-huh. But you see the fitness that I kind of do. And, I, you know, uh-huh. I really like to, again, motivate people, period. Like that whole concept of just empowering people, period, is like a big thing for me. Yeah. It's really important. Uh, I think that's why I'm here. It's, that's the, You know, I'm a teacher, right? So I want to constantly right. teach in every part of my life. So that's kind of what you see a lot of on my, on my social media. Well, I think that, that well, that's really important, the fitness aspect. That I, we don't, that's, a, that's an aspect that we don't talk about enough is that... The you, whole concept of us as teachers, and that is something that completely gets missed. You cannot, and I, I try to tell teachers this all the time, mm-hmm. you cannot be your best self as a teacher if you're not your best self as a human being. Right. That means you have to be healthy, you have to have taken care of your personal needs, you have to take care of your family needs, and you have to take care of your overall mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. When you constantly put yourself always the back burner as a which is a natural impulse for us as educators uh-huh. then you're not going to be great in the classroom that's why you're tired that's why you're fatigued that's why you're burnt out because you're you're putting your well-being and wholeness to the back burner you have to put your health and yourself first sometimes mm-hmm. so you can be better for the kids there's nothing wrong with that mental health day there's nothing wrong with <laughs> truly coming to NCTE for the entire conference you know I have some uh, friends who came and they said oh I didn't come until Saturday because I didn't want to miss a day with the kids well, if you, what did you really do on that Friday before the break? That was so important that a sub could not have carried those plans and executed them well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good point. The, uh, yeah, I don't know if some teachers, I think, get stuck in this, uh, I think, what was the term? They get this uh, savior syndrome Which and then a martyr syndrome, yep. and then they don't put themselves first, or they use it. I mean, sometimes they use work as an excuse to not deal with their own baggage. That is so true. And we need to deal with that so we can, like you said, be the best for our students, right? And that's what you did. So that's fantastic. I did. I did. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Uh-huh. It was a little bit of a. Um, I've always. I've, I've, I've gained. I was gaining weight incrementally over time. So yeah. it was a slow gain, but it was. Con- it was a. It was a consistent gain. And when I um, had high blood pressure and was and had the threat of you know possibly taking, you know blood pressure pills. When I know that that's not you know the genetic path for me. I know that wasn't sure. that was something I can control. It was a wake up call, and I just think to myself, I really wish more people. Period, uh, especially people. Of color who deal with these issues would kind of just try their best to just take control of it right. with some help. And for me, Weight Watchers was the help. It was the motivation that got me started, and it was the accountability that kept me going. Yeah. And so, Nick, I'm proud to say I'll be a weight. I'll, I will be a <laughs> lifelong member, which of course I'm not being paid by, yeah, by Weight Watchers. But yeah. I just but shout out to Weight Watchers love anyway. Right? The program, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, for me, for it means just so yeah. much. Like I just, I love the program. I mean, you, you do what you got to do. I, almost I had to, as much as I love books, but not <laughs> almost as much as I love Jesus. But, you so know. I put Jesus first, then the books, uh-huh. then Weight Watchers. Well, you got your priorities straight, I think. Right, right. You know, you can get, you can get far <laughs> with those three things. But, you know, I had the similar thing. You had you said you had high blood pressure? I did, yeah. Yeah, in my last job, I was just doing way too much. But, you know, I was... Uh, I. I, I was cared about the job, but I wasn't dealing with myself, and I had this uh, collapse one wow. day, and I thought, I, I need to be around for my kids. And so that's when I switched off and did less work. The world kept going somehow, and I started losing weight. And, but you do think more clearly, too. You do. You're much sharper. You can be better for everyone that way. So good for you. Uh, besides fitness and, you know, taking care of yourself so you can take care of your family and then take care of your students. Uh, another professional responsibility, I think, is social media and the way you use it. You can be such a good role model. You can really earn more professional credibility with your students through your use of social Absolutely. media. But the point that you shook me with in your presentation, because it was just so true, was the fact that 
we see bullying on social media that is modeled by people that are supposed to be leaders. And that was really hard to hear. It's not like I hadn't heard it or thought of it before, but you had a statistic that went before that. Yes. 2,000 um, students committed suicide uh, in 20, over from 2016 to 2018. And, they, and it's been cited as bullying as the number one cause of why they chose to take their lives. And so that, it is a sobering, it's a tragic statistic. And when you see something um, like that, it just really jolts you because we all know that it would get better, right? We all know that if the kids could have just seen that, but we're living in a society right now, just a brief moment in our American history, that this whole entire concept of bullying and social media irresponsibility is just looming out of control. And we as educators have to take it back. We have to find a way to, 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 to reach our kids and find a way to show them that this is not what we need to do. This isn't how we do it. And so I was really thankful when uh, Lavana earlier today shared that hashtag, uh, what is it? I think it was uh, hashtag I can help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to kind of immediately say let's take this bullying down and stop it right off the bat. Hopefully, we can see more of our leaders' tweets get hashtag I can help um, as right. well. And it, just, it it does aggravate me. I see that uh, you know Facebook, social media, all these places. You know, I grew up with that. Um, I'm a zennial. Not a yeah, millennial, I'm a zennial. Right. See? People don't know what zennials are. Yeah, but yeah. Like, it's a little bitty Yeah, thing. it's a little bit kind of like it's stuck in between. <laughs> like, I didn't have a cell phone when I was in high school, but, you know, I did, you know, you have Nintendo. the social media. I definitely had Nintendo. you rushed home for it, right? Oh, <laughs> I, I had Nintendo, yeah. But I had a, you know, I grew up with social media in college, and that was just such a weird thing to have. And now that students have that, I didn't ever think about how they might get bullied at school, but then there's no safe haven when they go home and get on the computer because there's bullying that follows them there and how that could affect them someday. We had, we were not ready for this, not at all. And so now it is another responsibility teachers have to take up and be the superheroes they are and model how you can how do you good. can use it right responsibly. Right. And even the good things that come from it. And, you know, but that's tough. I think it's tough. It'll be tough um, as we continue to move forward and continue to see how social media evolves in the lives mm-hmm. of our kids. But, you, you know, you mentioned how one thing we can't do, what we have to stop doing, and I know it's said before, is uh, we used to say, you know, don't be that teacher that closes the door from being observed from other teachers, but we also can't close the door on what's happening around us politically, what's happening around us, and how the world is changing. I know that you... A very specific example that I lived through, and uh, when I was in Oklahoma, I was a state director, mm. and I traveled and I begged and I used social media and email blasts and, and vlogs to get connect with teachers, and I told them, "Listen, here are all these legislative agendas that are coming down, and they're trying to do this. This is probably going to be bad. I need you to get involved or have an opinion for it." And there is a mentality that, "Well, it'll all go away. Just ignore it. It'll all go away," and. It didn't go away. Things have gotten progressively worse. They're starting to get better, but they got progressively worse. And then finally, teachers became more politically savvy. They, we had, a, I don't know if you saw in Oklahoma, I had the walkout. Yes, I did. And I now, saw about Oklahoma. I was heartbroken to find out that Oklahoma 
paid so little to their educators and put such a small investment in their lives. Like yes. when I read those articles, you know, it was, I was shocked. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm from rural Mississippi. Um, so I definitely know about low teacher pay, but, um, you know, being in Atlanta, a metro area, you kind of just, I mean, where the teacher pay is, is very comparable to what you would get in a number of other professions, not what it should be, but still sure. it's definitely a livable wage. I was heartbroken to see the articles of the teachers who are making such massive life sacrifices just to make ends meet and to be able to do what they love. So cheers to you for that work and cheers to the people of Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm really happy with the, not necessarily with the governor race, but I'm happy with the uh, the um, local representatives. A lot of teachers ran and they actually won <laughs> position seats this time. So that's pretty huge. And that's, that's great. Teachers make great uh, politicians. I think they can. They will. Many of them really do. Like yeah. they have that heart, and that heart never goes away. No matter what, a good teacher will always have will always be a good teacher. No matter uh-huh. what position and where they go in their career or life, and someone who has that heart for teaching and education and for kids will always have it, and they're always going to advocate for it. And no matter what comes around, their heart is still going to beat and it's still going to shine through. Mm-hmm. Now, how's the status quo in Atlanta Well, in Georgia in general? Yeah, right now, Atlanta, the whole, you know, definitely the people of Atlanta feel like there's a little bit of a dark cloud over us, over our recent governor's race. Yeah. Uh, it's been, it made national news, but for those who actually live through it. Um, I mean, it was like the Beto thing. There's a lot of people that are bummed out about it. That yeah, aren't even know, from Georgia. I don't know to what it, I don't know about. Was there large amounts of voter suppression in that race, or was it just a? I thought it was kind of a, not as much of a turnout as what people thought. Whereas in Georgia, we definitely experienced true, old school, nineteen sixties voter suppression. Mm-hmm. I, I literally, you know, I live in an area that's predominantly minority. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I love my area. I love where I live. It's in a suburb of, of Atlanta, like like right on the outside of Atlanta. It's in DeKalb County. My voting place has always had a minimum of 20 uh, booths. I voted in every election since I was 18 years old. When there's one thing on the ballot, I go and I vote and click just to say that I did it. I haven't missed an election. And when I went to vote, this time there were eight machines. And I, what? there were eight machines. And then I made a video. I quickly posted it to my social media about it. I then, because I actually, I voted on election day. I always vote early. Uh-huh. Uh, when I went to vote early twice, the lines were wrapped around the building. But then I found out that they also had very few machines for early voting. Then there was massive media attention throughout the day, all over social media, where people were saying there are three booths working out of 12. So our Secretary of State, who is now our governor-elect, Brian Kemp, uh, his office oversaw this, and they sent broken machines, machines without cords, to areas that were heavily minority areas. So it is an amazing testament that Stacey Abrams was able to get so close to being our first uh, African-American governor, first female governor, first Democratic governor elected in the uh, 21st century, but she lost, and it still hurts us to know that she lost when she probably would have won had mm-hmm. these tactics of Jim Crow America not but not been put in place in Atlanta, and we're powerless to stop it. You know, you know she could fight further, but we know where it would go to the Supreme Court, and we know how that's going to work out with, unfortunately, the Supreme Court justices that we put in office that we put there and we put them there because we voted for Donald Trump and elected him as president knowing that he would have the ability to shape our nation for a generation and we have to live through that Um, Mm -hmm. personally I don't think that I'll see better days in our nation because of that during my lifetime I think that we're in a different you know a different 
you know, page that we're going to turn. Mm-hmm. I think for 40 more years of life, you know, we're going to live under these decisions, but that's okay because we, we've had it good for a while. We saw some amazing things for a while. And I know that those who've come before us saw much worse. And if they can survive and endure that as they did, so can we, but they started building towards a better America that we didn't continue across this nation. And it's time for us to rebuild and restart again by doing exactly what I talked about in the Ignite Ignite speech, teaching our children the value of democracy, having them understand the value of advocacy, and always focusing in on their self-interest, but also what's right for the good of our country. And not being told what that is, but listening to your heart and your instincts and what you know is right. If people just simply do what they know is right in this crucial time, we're going to really be again a, 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 the country that we're that we are known for being. Just do what's right. Just it's not right to bully. It's not right, right to call someone stupid or fat or uh, or ugly. It's not right to go and. Um, go to an, to another country and disrespect our veterans, to go to another country and disrespect world leaders. Mm-hmm. These things are wrong. This isn't right. We know this isn't right. Mm-hmm. And the fact that so many Americans are defending these actions that are deplorable are really disappointing. But it's, we can turn the tide. Because, it is. Again, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> we do. It's a lot of work, man. And we may not see the payoff. Like I'm, I'm mentally preparing myself for mm-hmm. that. I pray we do. I hope we do. I hope it's a quick turn and all of a sudden the 2020 election gives us an ushering in of hope, mm-hmm. but even if we get in a totally different political mindset, whether it's a Democrat or Republican coming into office, we're going to, even with that, have so much damage done mm-hmm. by this whole entire movement of xenophobia and, uh, for lack of a better word, nationalism that really isn't nationalism, but that kind of is nationalism. It's going to be really hard to undo that. And we it have is. a lot of... You know, I, I won't say dark days ahead, but I can't find a better word for it at the moment. I just, I just say like, uh, it is. We just have a lot of work. A lot of it's work. It's going to be work, and so yeah, I would agree with your sentiment there. But I think the the one key uh, that is really essential that you mentioned of all the things we got to be teaching, but the one especially is just how to talk to each other when we've avoided so much um, under the guise of being polite, and it's actually we've just we've uh, abused that politeness in order to not be interested and not really get to understand each other, not get to know each other. That's right. And so like you said that you want to, you know, we need to talk. Our students need to learn how to talk to each other so they can better understand each other. So we don't do this again. I, I am impressed with Atlanta. They must be very supportive of you or you're just that valuable to them because you share your opinions. And I know that many people in your position would be too timid to be outspoken, to say what needs to be said in the, again, um, fear of offending someone because of that fake politeness. But they're, they're pretty supportive of you and your use of social media and the and your, your speaking. Oh, yeah, we, we definitely, our district has a, we definitely have a social media policy, uh-huh. but we are encouraged to tell our story. So, you know, I, it's no secret if anyone's going to Google Atlanta, we had a nationwide cheating scandal in that city that, you know, definitely has cast a shadow over the progress that was made and that w- that we're making. But we realize that the only way that we're going to make known the transformative work of turning a district around is for us to take control of our narrative. Like, we want our kids to do the exact same thing. Um, and so when our new superintendent, Dr. Maria Karstoffen, came to our school system in 2014, I wasn't with the system then. I was in a, a neighboring system mm-hmm. in Henry County, um, was... is. 
you know, school system then. When she came, I was immediately motivated and inspired by her and her desire to transform that system and get results. And so um, when she came in, Atlanta Public Schools was a struggling to come out from under this scandal of where we had, a, you know, what was, I guess it's now confirmed, there was a district-wide effort to... Um, it was a ratio situation with state tests, and uh, there were anomalies for on these on these assessments that got flagged by the state and mass investigation. Uh, Thirteen educators were indicted, and many of them are now well of mm-hmm. the thirteen. There's several that are actually in jail, serving very long, lengthy prison sentences. Wow! For their okay. role, the superintendent at the time had served for ten years, and unfortunately, you know, she's passed away since from cancer. But you know, mm-hmm. and she was wait, awaiting to go to full blown trial during the the end of her her life. So this amazing superintendent came to us, uh, came in to us from. Um, at the, from Austin, Texas, and she just blazed a trail for hired some of the best people in the United States to come into Atlanta to work. I was fortunate enough to come back to that system and work with her and under her leadership, and she encourages us to, again, take control of our narrative, tell our story. When we're doing good work with the school, highlight that good work. When we're moving the needle with teachers, show what we're doing because that is our story, and that's exactly you know what yeah. we're doing to move forward. So she is a trailblazer in social media and is a, is a role model to me and has really helped me understand the value of Twitter and getting out the work that we're doing. So they're very supportive in that regards. Now, in terms of politics, I typically don't share much of the politics. <laughs> okay. um, and I don't think I've said anything here that's super controversial. I think it's been, yeah. again, something I think is, for the most part, what we're seeing and what, what's happening. The fact, no, that I think social, totally respectful yeah, the fact that there's social media bullying yes. by leaders is there, you know, I, yeah. unfortunately, you know, our governor elect literally, um, had an ad where he held a gun to, you know, a 13 year old kid saying, you know, you better be careful messing with my daughter, you know, to really relate and appeal okay. to the voters of Georgia <laughs> saying like, uh-huh. I support gun control law. Uh-huh. I support gun rights laws. So I don't think any of this is uh, a secret or is new. These are just, this is what it is. And yeah. I, I think, you know, maybe I say it kind of bluntly, but I don't know any other way to say it. You just got to be honest. Well, last question. Like, do you see yourself possibly getting into politics? There's no question. There's no doubt about it. I absolutely. Like, not just act, as an active when citizen. When I'm okay. I'm going to always be involved. I'm always going to be active. And I definitely plan to have a whole entire second life as a politician Good. after I complete uh-huh. my 30 years, you know, in education in the field. I mean, That's it's horrible. I don't want it. But you're just, you're just... You well, know so years. much. You gotta, you gotta, you know. I you do. know too much. You have to like get in there and now make yeah, I change, do right? That you know, it, I, that's kind of the benefit I think of when you retire and being uh-huh. able to kind of work. 49%. That's the law in Georgia. You work 49%, and I would definitely still do my 49%, and the other. 51% will be spent, you know, under our gold dome. Hopefully, serving in the state senate or state uh, house of rep role. That's the hope. That's fantastic. Awesome. Well, I had a great time with thank you. Thank you so much. And the great, amazing CEL experience has been awesome. Yes, so it for was anyone great. out there listening, if you've ever wondered, you know, what is CEL, uh-huh. the Conference on English Leadership, is it really worth my time? Should I stay those extra days? You should. It's amazing. You engage mm-hmm. with so many amazing leaders. So next year, we hope to see you in Baltimore. Yeah. And I, you know, I had fun in Atlanta when I was in Atlanta. I had some good stories. I have to tell you off the air. But, you know, it was a good time in Atlanta. Atlanta's a great city. <laughs> it is it's a great, great city. city. So, but, I tell people all the time. It's, it's, it is a great city. Yeah. The city is very progressive. Uh-huh. Um, even though Georgia may not be the most progressive state, Atlanta is a very progressive city, and it's a very diverse city, and people are 
truly, truly on the move in that oh, city. Oh, yeah. I loved it there. I'm not too far from there. I live in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Now, oh, awesome, awesome. So, just a car ride. Car ride so, away. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. We awesome. should get out of here. <laughs> I can know it's getting late. Yeah, it got empty real quick. But uh, thanks for listening. And, Thank uh, you for the opportunity, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care of yourself, take care of your students, and take care of each other. <laughs>